I'm Bob Brill, and he's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast and our video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. And now we're also on Megaphone through the C-Suite Network. Now also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. You can see it right there on the bottom of your screen. That is the easiest way. Now, during the offseason each week, we're taking a look at each NFL team as they prepare for the draft and the upcoming year. However, this week is free agency week, and it's going to be nuts. It actually is going nuts. So we thought we'd discuss free agents and who are available in the cap. And, well, we didn't really expect Drew Brees to call it quits just yet, uh, him, he retiring. So, uh, Eric, uh, let's start with that. Obviously, a Hall of Fame career. What, what impressed you most about Drew Brees over the years? Well, the first thing that stands out to me about him is, like me, he's not the prototypical body type. Um, I, too, and what, six one, six feet, which is about what his type is. And I just look at him over the years and what stands out. He was a great decision maker. Um, I'm going to guess probably a great contributor when it comes to game planning. His leadership, his decision making, um, his accuracy. He went on for 20 years. I mean, that's a long career at, at any position, much less quarterback. And I go back to there was years ago. Um, probably, oh, maybe 15 or so years ago, I was uh, training a lot of quarterbacks, began with high school guys and then worked my way up in college and a few pro guys. And there was a time when I was working with Carson Palmer and actually his brother, Jordan, when they were with the Bengals and drove down one day to what is where the Chargers now play or had been playing at what was then called the Home Depot Center. So it's about maybe 30 NFL guys. Drew Brees is one of them. And that's back when Mark and Col Marcus Colston was with the um, Saints. And I had a few high school guys that I was working with and they participated. And it was like I had heard of Drew Brees and I guess I knew of him, but never really saw him on the field. And what stood out to me that day was as soon as everything kind of got going, it took one guy to get it going. And it was Drew Brees. And so it was his practice and his practice standards that stood out and everyone else was just in tow. And I think in his career, he kind of had that, that presence about him. And that's what stood out because he was never really talked about in any year that he played as in the top, maybe two or three, because it was always Brady, Manning, Rogers, and today guys like Mahomes, but never him. And yet lately he's always talked about as a first ballot hall of famer and true he only won one super bowl but think of the ones that he missed out on potentially in the last couple of afc uh, nfc championship games where this uh, what a couple years ago nicole roby coleman has the obvious pass interference but is not called and then the year before it was the minneapolis miracle with stefan diggs and here's a guy that again you know has one super bowl maybe could have had one or two more at least playing a couple more and i think the longevity of his career and the efficiency he played with stands out. I think uh, one of the things that uh, is remarkable that he and uh, Sean um, Payton had this great relationship that they, they, they were, they were almost like two guys with one brain, you know, and it was like the, you had the field general and the sideline general, and they worked together so well that this game plan. And it was like, you always knew the Saints were going to put points on the board. You had to outscore the Saints rather than just hold them down. 
Right, which is, and, and Sean Payton, in his own way, uh, like Breeze, doesn't probably get the credit he deserves as an offensive brilliant mind. I mean, today, Andy Reid's the guy that gets all the, the hype, and deservedly so, but Sean Payton kind of gets passed over in that regard, which I think is kind of a disservice to him. Well, he's going to have to really prove his mettle now because this leaves the Saints open to a couple of options. But it looks like unless they trade for Russell Wilson, which Wilson says he would clear a trade for the Saints, Taysom Hill gets the shot with Breeze out. That uh, helps with millions on the cap. And Hill's contract is renegotiated to $140 million over four years. That saves another $7.5 million on the cap. And it looks like free agent James Wilson is on the outside looking in. Uh, my question is, is Hill a starting NFL quarterback? Well, we saw, okay, here's what happened last year. So Drew Brees goes down, right? And everyone, the offseason happens where Jameis Winston goes and he's not going to be the backup. And it's thought, okay, maybe he'll be able to do what Teddy Bridgewater did and come in and sort of revive his career. Drew Brees goes down, Jameis Winston comes in, plays well enough that game that everyone, including me, thinks he's going to start the next game or two. Well, he doesn't. Taysom Hill starts. And all along, remember, Sean Payton played quarterback, too. In fact, he, was, he played for the Bears in that 87 strike season, the one I played in with the Falcons. He played for the Bears. So he's a quarterback and I think doesn't get the credit he deserves for being a quarterback guru himself. And so Taysom Hill, who he said all along for the last couple of years, when Drew Brees eventually does retire, don't think Taysom Hill is not going to be in that picture. And I think that's what we're seeing here is the new contract he got. I think uh, at least I heard this morning is I saw the way it was structured. It's more of a, a one-year contract, even though it's for several years, it's all voidable. And, but by getting in now, I think the saints have shown Jameis Winston, we can win with this guy. He was three, one last year as a starter. He got better each week he played He's taken a deal that's cap friendly. And uh, and so, hey, you better get on board if you want to be competing in this thing. So I, I do. I think Jameis Winston will go back to New Orleans. But I think it's very reasonable to think that Taysom Hill may be the guy that comes out of this as a starter. Because if you look at it, he developed not only as a passer, but I think within the pocket. And he's probably, I'm going to guess, I'm going to say he's a superior athlete to Jameis Winston. I think, I think you're right there. And it bodes well for those, those of us who picked him up for our fantasy team last year too. So, <laughs> uh, Which always, everything should go back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so far the big signings are Aaron Jones staying with the Packers, which means they still need to trim $9 million. Now, we should mention here that the cap is 182 and that's a figure uh, that it means a significant drop from last year. With COVID and lack of fans, the clubs had to cut. We knew that was going to happen. But, you know, this also looks somewhat like a way for the league to cut down on salaries. This is in the back of my mind that I'm bringing forward. I mean, there are going to be a lot of guys out of work this year, unless, unless they take huge pay cuts. And once you start that precedent, precedent, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on this. Well, my, okay. My first thought is the precedent that you're referring to, I think should refer to the players because in the recent memory, they're the ones that have been getting consistently fed. The dollar amounts have gone up and up and up and up. And uh, you look at the you know potential upcoming QB carousel. Uh, some of these guys are under contract even. 
And so, you know, in my opinion, the players at this point kind of had the leverage. Look at what just happened with Taysom Hill. And you're going to see creative moves, I think, by teams to, you know, uh, players aren't just going to take just because this happens to be the year of the COVID uh, pandemic and the salary cap drops. I think the players and the players union is going to find ways and agents are going to find ways to kind of force teams to be more creative, like with Taysom Hill. And how do you fit this guy under the cap? Maybe in ways that weren't necessary or invented before. Now there's going to be that creativity that some teams are going to have, some others aren't. And then the ones that do have it, I think are going to benefit. You know, one of the things that came up, uh, I was uh, wondering, like when uh, Roethlisberger with the Steelers had to renegotiate his contract, uh, I, my thought came up and I don't, I, I was trying to find out and I never got an answer from anybody if, if this was even legal in the NFL system that you could sign a player for one year, some reasonable salary and then uh, renegotiate. Let's say they had had a contract where they had to carry out the 40 million. They dropped the 40 million and they actually sign him to a one year deal for maybe five or 8 million. And with a promise that he they give him that other money that he was due in a personal services contract next year when he retires so that he's tied to the team in all sorts of different ways, community service, whatever. Is that legal in the NFL system? Could that be done? Not being an agent, I don't know. But I think you're on the right track, that I think there's going to be creative ways that teams are going to have to you come up to that last deal, that last year of a deal, like in Roethlisberger's case, where he's going to do to make $40 million. And teams are going to have to get creative to restructure that deal so that maybe instead of $40 million, maybe it's $10, $15 million. And maybe you spread by reworking the contract, you, you add on more cap dead space, but spread it out over several years rather than just one year. And like I said, teams are going to have to get creative. Um, you know, just for this year. And I think, well, not only for this year, but I think moving forward, because this year's year, the cap's going down. After this, the cap's going to explode, in my opinion, because revenues are going to be up. Right. Uh, and they've never gone down. It's taken a pandemic to drive them down. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, those issues are going to come up uh, more often now because you're seeing players that have signed these hundred plus million dollar deals now going to be coming up to their retirement, matching up with the last year of a contract. And, you know, as you can see here, teams don't want to carry $40 million in one year. Well, you know, the teams are the most to spend are Jacksonville, which we talked about a few weeks ago, $74 million and how they got there. I'll never know. Uh, the Jets was 70 million. The Colts was 63 million Patriots at 56 million. And I got to think the Patriots are going to probably spend their money more wisely than others. Your thoughts? I would think so too. I, I, I don't know. I haven't done any research to know this, but I would guess it's been a while if ever where the Patriots have had been in what now the top three or four with cap revenue to spend, um, which kind of makes me think, okay, they should spend it wisely, but then why sign Cam Newton? That one I didn't get. Yeah. And because uh, I've heard people talk about, well, we, all, we won't, all went through it last year, is he had a good first few games, but then just stumbled and sort of fell off a cliff for most of the last part of the season, got benched. And 
he's a long cry from the what was it, 2015 NFL Player of the Year MVP, mm-hmm. and he's not that guy anymore. And I don't see what it is that he does that makes the players around him better. Is it leadership? That doesn't look to be the case. Passing? No. And he's, I just don't think he's the guy that, uh, you know, makes those players run him better. So it kind of, I don't know why they made that move. Cause I think it prohibits, think about this. If you are a upcoming NFL free agent as a top receiver, are you going to go want to play with Cam Newton? Exactly. Uh, so I think that hurt them. I think Jacksonville, as we talked about, they've got the most cap space. They've got uh, the first pick in the draft and great draft selections all the way through. But they've also got a one of the all-time best college football coaches. But yet he's also had health injury or health issues that have kept him from continuing coaching at times. And he's got no NFL experience. So how does how's that going to work out? Of the teams you just mentioned here, I think the Colts, um, they've got the best roster top to bottom. They just added Carson Wentz, who had himself has some question marks, no doubt. But now he's paired back up with Frank Reich. And I just think given the cap space, the talent roster that they've got, I think they're of the teams you just mentioned, I think they're most poised to break out. You know, getting back to the, the Cam Newton situation, uh, when your quarterback is your leading touchdown rusher on your team, you got other problems to deal with. And I, I, I think you're exactly right. I cannot see the signing uh, of him as, uh, you know, when there's so many other quarterbacks out there, uh, there's other good quarterbacks out there, even through the draft, uh, right. let alone, you know, free agents that are they're looking for a home. You know, I think that would make a better better choice for them. But we'll have yeah. to see what you know, I'm not Bill Belichick either, so. Well, I mean, okay, so I, I heard a couple analysts talk about it this way. So is Cam Newton, if Cam Newton is a, at this point, average to below average quarterback on the field, um, how is he, how would he be as a backup? I've heard guys talk, I've heard analysts say he wouldn't be the starter I would pick and he wouldn't be the backup I would pick. Because yeah. is Cam Newton the type of guy that's going to help usher along a younger guy? and help make him better in some fashion. I, I don't, I don't know Cam Newton, but I don't know him to be that kind of player. Um, so I, I don't know sign. I don't know what signing him back does because think about, are the Patriots going to make a run next year at the playoffs or the Super Bowl? I don't think so. Not, I don't think not I given their talent level. So I think his presence in a way could inhibit. A, think of all the free agent quarterbacks that are out there and coming up and draft picks that are going to, are they going to want to be on the same team with Cam Newton? Is he the guy that kind of leads the team and leads the people in the quarterback room? I, I don't know. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got teams like the saints at 38 million over the cap. The Rams are 31 million. The Eagles, 28 Falcons, 22. The bears are 17 over Packers, nine and the bucks. Well, they're, they're seven over and the chiefs, they're a couple of million over too. So where did these teams cut? I know the chiefs are going to are looking at offensive linemen and they were looking at Trent Williams. Uh, I don't know if they can afford Trent Williams because he's going to be one of the top paid players out there. And if, if they do go after players like this, where are they going to cut? What, who's going to have to leave those teams? You know, I think the only one we've got to go on so far is, is the Taysom Hill deal. So in that, we saw them, him get paid more money, but cap-wise, 
it's a let it's they just trimmed off seven and a half million off of what you just listed as 38 million they need to get down to. So we're going to see this sort of imaginative contractual signings here as teams face what they've never faced before. Um, and I think we'll just have to let that play out. You know, you mentioned um, uh, the, the Falcons and being, you know, what, 22 million over the cap. Um, you know, I, I heard uh, somebody mention this about, okay, here's Arthur Smith going to Atlanta and he just left Tennessee where they had Ryan Tannehill, an athletic quarterback. Now he's got Matt Ryan that's more of a statue figure, but a great passer. And Arthur Smith's response was that there's nothing in this ball control offense that Matt Ryan can't do and do well. So, uh, you know, I think teams are, so I don't see Matt Ryan leaving. I see a potential restructuring and, you know, uh, Russell Wilson still, I mean, he's, you know, are the bears going to be able at 17 million, think about what they would have to, not just draft picks, not just maybe current players that they would have to give up to get Wilson. They'd have to take on Wilson's big contract for this year and the future. And yet here they are 17 million over the cap. How's that going to work? And I think um, I don't have the answers for those things, but obviously uh, I would imagine in these past couple of months, all these general managers and team administrators are, have been going to work diligently on figuring out ways to get these things done. Well, the bean counters are working overtime. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's look at the top three agents on the market where they may end up. You know, on defense, the big ones are the Steelers linebacker, Bud Dupree, Titans, Jadavian, Clowney, Richard Sherman, and uh, the Donick Pensu. Your thoughts on those guys? I mean, uh, there, there's four big names. Uh, some of them may be a little long in the tooth, but at the same time, they're still quality defensive players. Right. Well, the guy that stands out to me, unfortunately for you, is Bud Dupree. And he's a just an awesome, young, explosive edge rusher he's only and, uh, and a playmaker. Yeah. And I can imagine him like it's been talked about with the Browns. What a great addition opposite Miles Garrett he would be. Um, and then you got <laughs> right. And, and I'm sorry, that's in your own division. I know. I know. And then you got Jadavian Clowney, who is kind of like the modern day mercenary defensive end for hire. Um, Richard Sherman, I think, even though he's still a presence, is a little bit more on the downside of his career. Uh, same with Ndamukong and Sue, um, who's, you know, a great pocket pusher. And if he's paired up with a guy, you know, next to him, like he was with, in L.A. with Aaron Donald, um, then, you know, and, and he was a force this year in Tampa Bay. But again, he's entering now his 12th season. And, you know, some of these guys are going to be sort of hired up for maybe a year when, when a team's ready. So can this be our year to make the playoff push and Super Bowl run? You know, maybe a guy like Ndamukong Sue can help that process. Yeah, the running backs are James Conner, Chris uh, Carson, Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette. They're all looking for new teams to sign to. And uh, after Aaron Jones, the fall off is big and uh, he's the top one off the market. But the, the, there's four guys out there that, you know, can make uh, make some things happen for some teams. I'm seeing a theme here that you keep listing Pittsburgh Steelers players at the top of these lists. <laughs> well, they, they got to uh, get rid of it. The, they're going to lose these guys. <laughs> I, know, I know. Well, James Conner, in my opinion, is the most versatile of the running backs listed there, um, right. both, both rushing and receiving. Um, and if he can stay healthy, which he's managed to do for the most part, 
Um, I think he's the most valuable in there. Fournette, to me, I didn't see much of him as a sort of upper tier running back until this year. And I think he got revived uh, in Tampa Bay. He had, especially down the stretch, he had some quick-footed runs that were finished off in a punishing fashion. And I think that's, you know, I can see a guy like him maybe to Seattle, right? Where Chris Carson, not sure if he's coming back, but Leonard Fournette is kind of that ball control yet explosive ball carrier that it seems like the Seattle Seahawks want to get to that back to that ball control offense. He might be a great candidate there. Sort of like in that beast mode uh, situation. He reminds me of the same, same type of player. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, that would send a strong message, I think, to, uh, first of all, I think Pete Carroll, that's the kind of offense he wants. He wants uh, the, the offense to not make mistakes, control the ball, and in many cases, let the defense win games for you. And that's always been his recipe for success, and it's worked. And I think they got away from that last year, and I think that made him uncomfortable. And it also, I think it made Russell Wilson uncomfortable. And uh, as much as he was winning games early and throwing the ball around the yard, I think he's still at his best when he's got a complimentary run, running game. You know, there's a lot of really good wideouts out there, and I'm going to mention other guys first. I'll put uh, Smith-Schuster toward the back here. Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis. These guys are uh, Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Sammy Watkins, T.Y. Hilton, Nelson Aguilar, even Antonio Brown. These guys are all quality one, two receivers. They're not number three receivers. They're all number one and twos. And I got to think that all probably every one of these guys is going to change teams somewhere along the way. Maybe, maybe not everyone, but uh, I got to think that uh, with the emphasis on the passing game and the new young quarterbacks coming in, that these guys are going to be premium uh, picks. Yeah, I agree. And the big, big head scratcher here for me is the first guy you mentioned in Kenny Galladay. I mean, yeah, I thought they were going to franchise him, but they didn't. He's tall. He's big. He's lean. He's dynamic as a, as a pass receiver. And you just brought Jared Goff in. I, I don't get that. Um, and, you know, I've always been, as you know, a big fan of Corey Davis. I think he's another uh, bigger, lankier receiver that is a clutch uh, receiver he as well. Curtis, he was a top Right. And, and Curtis Samuel, to me, though, out of this group, to me, I think he's the most valuable and versatile. He's, he can be uh, put in the, in, uh, in the backfield at times as a runner. He's excelled there. I think he's got a big catch, um, big after the catch ability. And I think he finishes off runs with an uncommon intensity in receivers. That's a guy that I think uh, could, could go to a team, a lot of teams really, and just add to the dynamics uh, of their skill positions. You know, I think uh, some of the tight ends that are out there too. I mean, uh, a few of the tight ends are, you know, kind of toward the end of their career, but these guys, and I know you like Johnny Smith. I have every week I've, I remember you mentioning John Smith during the season. He's available as our Hunter Henry. And Gerald Everett really kind of came into his own this year on a team uh, that had more than one good tight end. And you have Jared Cook as well. Uh, these guys, they're not just blockers. They're, they're good receivers. Right. And, and you mentioned John Smith. And I think, again, he's, uh, he's both good in the run and pass game. He's a good blocker. He's a good blocker downfield. He's excellent in the play-action game and drop-back passing game. Um, and he's young, so it's only going to get better. And the core group of the Titans, you know, they're all coming back. And should he go back there, 
I think that's where, you know, to me, he's, he's at home. Obviously he's now on the market, but hopefully that's a possibility, at least uh, personally, I hope he goes back there. Um, but I think the guy that stands out to me is Gerald Everett. You mentioned him, how he had an excellent year this year and he did. He would, he's, he's one of those guys that is always in the right place at the right time, getting there the right way and has provided a great outlet, whether, you know, it be a second or third receiver or even a first guy that can win one-on-one. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, the Rams, unfortunately, they're one of they're the, the team with the most, uh, the most, what, cap overage right. of any they're team. So they've got to find ways to sign key players back. And unfortunately, here's a, here again, you're going to have good players that are under contract that hit the market only because they're cap casualties. Now, there's almost enough guys out there. Well, actually, there is enough guys out there who are cap casualties to start a new NFL team that could probably compete. <laughs> there's only a couple of named quarterbacks. Of course, we talked about Jameis Winston uh, and we talked about Russell Wilson as, as well as Matt Ryan, but Andy Dalton's out there too. I mean, uh, does he end up somewhere as a solid backup for someone? I got to think with the new young quarterbacks coming in, that's a definite possibility. Yeah, I think so. I think Andy Dalton is fits in exactly into what you just described as a solid backup quarterback. If you look at backup quarterbacks around the league, I don't know of many you'd rather have than Andy Dalton. He's not the most athletic guy anymore, uh, but he makes good decisions. And if he's on a good team that's got players around him, I think he's an excellent choice as a backup. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned Matt Ryan. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, as I mentioned before, uh, I think I mentioned before anyway, that Arthur Smith, I think, is – very sold on Matt Ryan and what he can do in that with Arthur Smith's offense. Um, and again, Russell Wilson keeps getting talked about, but you don't really hear of any teams making, uh, you know, a, a speculation about what it would take to get that deal done with Seattle. You don't hear anything from Seattle saying, okay, yeah, we're listening to offers. So I don't think that Russell Wilson's going anywhere. I know he's sort of made, I guess, um, references to wanting to give it, you know, given the four teams, his agent described or, or listed as teams that he would consider, but none of those teams, I don't think have the capital or the, the uh, draft capital or the cap space to take on Russell Wilson. Thank you. Exactly. Right. You know, you look at this, this crop and um, do you remember what the uh, salary cap was when you were playing? I don't. <laughs> I don't. It wasn't anything near 182 million. Back in my first year when I played in the strike uh, with the Falcons and then I was kept afterward, back then, uh, what they had was Plan B free agency. Do you remember that? Yeah. Plan B was, uh, you know, teams could uh, keep all of their top players and it was the bottom rung that were Plan B that they would, you know, put out on the open market at which turned out to be collusive with all the owners right. would not take any each other's plan B players. Right. So, um, uh, yeah, the, the salary cap when I played, I don't know what it was, but it was nothing near what it is today. Even uh, when it went down, we had nothing near what it is today. <laughs> well, you made a decent living. What else can you say? Right. Yeah. Yep. No complaints. 
And there you have it, Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast, now videocast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Lips, and Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way for my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer. I'm Bob Brill, and we'll see you next time.